back to the podcast, Working Smarter and Harder. Again, I am your host, Jonathan Rogers, and thank you for tuning in for this week. Uh, today we have a little bit more of a delicate subject, I suppose, but um, something that I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding around. Um, we've touched on this just a little bit. If you go back to some of our episodes on protein and carbohydrates and energy systems, you can find a little bit more information on this, but we're going to kind of break down exactly uh, this particular facet today, and we'll be going into that here in just a moment. Before I do that, though, I want to bring up our our quotes for today. Uh, we have two from Marcus Aurelius, and then we have one from Philippians from the Bible. We have uh, from Marcus Aurelius, he says, No carelessness in your actions, no confusion in your words, no imprecision in your thoughts. The other one that I have for you as well is also from Marcus Aurelius, and he says, The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. And then the other one that I have is, again, like I mentioned from Philippians, and it says, uh, think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. So that's our mindset piece for today. We're going to come back to that here in just a little bit, but I want to go ahead and dive right into our main topic for today, which is going to be um, more along the lines of weight loss specifically. And I want to kind of um, introduce why this is important and why I wanted to discuss this. And one of the biggest things that I want to discuss uh, with this in kind of, uh, I want to break down two different parts of this. I want to talk about first how society has made it much harder for us to lose weight than it actually needs to be um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, first and foremost is um, the sense of instant gratification. Um, for those of you that listened to our episode last week with uh, Randon, the interview that we had, we talked a lot about instant gratification. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed, especially when it comes to weight loss, is that there's a lot of advertisement and there's a lot of propaganda and um, incorrect methodology surrounding weight loss. Um, and I think it's because... Um, there is something incredibly appealing about being in shape and being um, physically fit, um, but the the steps and the process to get there are not as attractive, um, and there are a lot of ways that people feel like they can circumvent that kind of long and arduous process, and I feel like, unfortunately, it's no longer about actually getting people to a point where they feel confident in what they look like and how they feel um, and how their body is functioning. Um, now more than anything, it's about selling products, unfortunately, and it's about getting people to pay attention uh, versus actually giving people uh, bits of truth uh, that actually is potentially much more beneficial in the long run. Um, so I think that society is much more focused now, especially for people who have achieved um, and have taken the proper steps but are not willing to, or I should say maybe not willing, but are more worried about actually making money uh, as opposed to actually giving people tools that are effective and work. Um, and this is specifically talking about fad diets and talking about um, uh, uh, tummy tuck exercises and instant six-minute abs and all those other kind of crazy workouts. I just want to try and make sure that we are understanding that a lot of these have very little to no quality to them and that they should be disregarded 90% of the time, 99% of the time. Um, and I think that for those of you who are listening to this and for most of our audience base, you understand that pretty well, that 
Um, you already know that the steps to creating a better person and creating a better future for yourself is typically not going to take only six minutes of your day. Um, so I want to make sure that we understand that first as society has created this, unfortunately, very money-hungry um, environment full of people who look really good and have found that they can make a lot of money off of selling something that sounds very appealing um, based off of uh, what they look like and um, the fact that they are not willing to share the truth that is not always as attractive as it may seem. Uh, the other part of society that has encouraged our um, overweight society and uh, uh, population as a whole is the, um, the level of processing that we have added to food. Um, and it really stems down to the exact same thing where companies found that they didn't have to make food expensive. Um, they just had to sell a lot of something that was relatively inexpensive. Um, and typically to make something inexpensive, um, they found that they could also make it taste good, which is unfortunate. Um, so we look at uh, a lot of our processed food, typically is absolutely very delicious, um, but the quality of it is very, very low. Um, and it's not often very expensive either, which is why um, it's very unfortunate for um, uh, financially um, uh, unsupported communities or um, financially struggling communities to actually have access to um, proper quality food sources, um, which actually does stem into a greater problem within itself, and I can go on to that for a long time. But I think that more and more we need to make sure that we as a nation start to um, focus on the fact that um, cheap processed food that tastes great is only benefiting one person, and it's the person who's selling it. Um, and I think that we need to make sure that we start focusing on the quality of the things that we eat and the things that we ingest and how it actually has a much better impact on us in the long run if we are able to start recognizing the quality of our food over the quantity or the price of it as well. Um, and part of that is up to our us as a community and a society as well as to develop a um, sustainable um, high quality food source that helps to lower the cost of high quality food for um, individuals and for families as well who are potentially struggling financially. I think that this is something that we need to start embracing as a country um, and in the Western civilization in general. Um, so there's my little short rant, but I think that those are two things that have made it very difficult for people in general to lose weight. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the specifics and give you guys the the real information exactly on exactly what your body is doing when it's breaking down fat and how exercise and diet both have a really high impact on that um, and give you guys some some real truth as we start to look at this and help you understand on a physiological level what exactly is happening to your body and give you some more correct steps on how to achieve that um, and none of them are particularly fast um, I will just say that right out the gate um, none of them are fast at all um, there is uh, this is a this is a long process that does take time um, but I want to remind you that nobody nobody actually becomes overweight or obese uh, in a matter of hours to minutes. So I don't think that the reverse process should be just as fast. So I think that it's important that we pay attention to the fact that it takes a very long time. It's a lot of years and months and weeks or days or whatever of incorrect nutrition and sedentary lifestyle that lead to a condition. And it is taking that same amount of time, if not longer, to work to undo that, to become an active individual with an active lifestyle and to improve the quality of the food that is being eaten and adding in exercise to improve upon that state. So you are actually going to be undoing a majority of what you have been doing up until a certain point. 
So what I want to talk to you guys a little bit about is the actual process and what happens when it, when your body is actually breaking down fat. So I did a little bit of research this morning, and this is also coming from uh, my studies through school and whatnot and the things that I have observed personally um, within my time within the uh, exercise and, uh, I should say, the fitness space. And specifically what we're going to do is we're going to do like a little case study. So what we're going to do is we're create, going to create a very fake individual. Um, it's not based on anybody that I know or anybody that I've ever worked with or had experience with. This is going to be somebody completely hypothetical, but they have a lot of very... Um, a lot of large similarities to a majority of the population and so we're going to give you something that you can maybe uh, find relatable or find something that you know somebody can relate to and just give you a really good mental image for today on exactly what it is that we're talking about so first and foremost when we start looking at fat within the body fat is um, unfortunately it has the same name as a food group that we eat uh, one of the macronutrients there's fat protein and carbohydrates as many of you know um, and unfortunately there is a huge scam in the 70s where we thought that fat actually made you fat um, um, and so we switched to taking fat out of things and just jacking up the sugar content, and the carbohydrate content, and then we started making people worse. Um, so, uh, and we, we have more information on that in one of our previous episodes on carbohydrates and protein and whatnot. Um, however, uh, I want to make it very well known that fat within your body or adipose tissue, as it's called technically, um, it actually is developed and it is um, placed um, from any of your macronutrient sources. So whether it is protein, carbohydrates, or fat, um, any of these in excess is going to actually deposit into your system as fat. So for example, if you are eating more than you are actually using, whether that's protein, fat, or carbohydrates, it's going to be stored in your system as adipose tissue, which is the thing that we can see on other people. It's the thing that we would describe as fat um, and so uh, but again I want to try and make sure that there's clarification between the two of those that fat the macronutrient is not what makes you fat it is a combination of all three of our macronutrients in excess on a regular consistent basis that will typically um, actually deposit itself as fat within the body um, and I want to make it also known that the uh, there is limited storage space for a lot of our macronutrients except for um, uh, except for adipose tissue. So typically we can only store a certain amount of carbohydrates and glucose within our system before it starts getting turned into fat. Um, fat, on the other hand, has a pretty much unlimited um, storage space because your body will pretty much put it anywhere that it can. Um, and so that's why we will typically see a acclimation and a deposition of it through all throughout the body in various places. So I think that it's important that we pay attention to um, exactly uh, how that works um, and how we get rid of it on the other hand is um, important because when we start to look at it there are there are a lot of different ways that we can get rid of fat but the way that it's going to be broken down primarily is going to be through oxidation um, which is where the muscle or I'm sorry not the muscle the fat itself or the adipose tissue is going to actually be um, broken down um, through a series of enzymes and then it is going to be transported through the blood and actually transported to the muscle where it will be used as an energy source and it will actually fuel uh, a lot of activities and um, any kind of uh, exercise or anything that you're doing throughout the day, it will typically fuel those things. So for example, it's important now that we pay attention again to those energy sources, and we have more on this in a previous episode, um, but fat is typically considered to be a much more efficient form of fuel. It is a lot bigger uh, comparatively to carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are small and easily broken down, whereas fat is very large, um, and it typically takes a much longer time to be broken down. 
Um, and with that being said, we're going to go ahead and divert our attention to our little uh, case study for today. Um, so we'll go ahead and we'll just call our individual David. Now, David is probably anywhere from 35 to 40. Um, we'll just give him that average uh, American age range. And he has a relatively sedentary lifestyle. We'll say that for his BMI or for his uh, weight category, he will say that he's probably about 20 pounds overweight. Uh, so we've got Dave, again, like I said, 35 to 40 years old, about 20 pounds overweight. And let's say that he starts an exercise program and he's actually looking to lose weight. Now he comes to a personal trainer or a coach and they, he starts looking at exactly what it's going to take to lose those 20 pounds. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to break this down piece by piece and give you exactly what that looks like as we take this one step at a time. So this actually took a little bit of math as well today, so I want you guys to just hang in there. I'll try to make everything as clear as possible. I've done a little bit of uh, math myself in the background, and I've tried to clarify and pull out the most significant numbers for you guys so you don't get too lost. Um, however, I want to pay attention to the first study that I was looking at for today, um, which was discussing how um, intensity is typically relevant or typically related to um, the... Uh, uh, the efficiency at which fat is burned. Um, and so if we look at high intensity exercise, um, there's typically not going to be a great deal of fat that is going to be utilized. Um, so if we start looking at something like a CrossFit event, for example, let's pick Fran, for example. Fran is an, a, a 2115 complex, uh, typically completed anywhere from five to eight minutes. This is a very high intense um, uh, uh, exercise that is going to be a combination of thrusters and pull-ups 21-15-9 and it is typically very high intensity and it is very very short um, and so typically if we look at something like this then we're going to be looking at carbohydrates as our primary fuel source because we don't actually take enough time and our um, our intensity level and heart rate will actually become a little bit too high according to some studies that I have found for us to be burning a great deal of fat now alternatively if we look at something like a marathon or like a very very long bike ride um, then that is something where we're going to be start we're going to start identifying a little bit more efficient fat burning so let's say that our client David is actually going to be maybe not doing so much of the high intensity stuff right off the bat but he really wants to start working and focusing on weight loss so we're going to start looking at giving him activities that are going to range anywhere from 25 to 35 minutes uh, roughly and we're looking at keeping his heart rate roughly around 58% of his max. So what that means is, and this is trying to gauge our level of intensity, so when we start to say 58%, 58 to 60% of his max, what we're going to do is we're going to take his age and we're going to subtract that from the number 220 and that's going to give me a pretty rough estimate of what his max heart rate should be. Now there's definitely some more precise calculations but this is a nice easy one that you guys can do usually. So let's say Dave is 35. So if he's 35 minus or 220 minus 35 that is going to give us approximately 185. So that's 185 beats per minute. Now if we take that and we multiply that times 60 what we're going to get is about 111 to 110. So if he has some way of tracking his heart rate or if he's working with a personal trainer that can also keep track of it, we would like to keep him in the range of probably 105 to about 115 beats per minute. It's pretty moderate levels of exercise. Um, and this is, again, based off of some studies that I had found, and I will share that information with you guys later. But we're trying to keep him around 111 to 115 beats per minute. And let's say we have him um, either, like I said, either cycling or running one of the two. 
And so we're going to kind of uh, start working at this. And what they had found was, as we start to um, optimize this range of about 111 to 110 beats per minute, that's kind of our ideal range for fat burning. And again, it's a longer duration, and it's typically um, not as much of a um, high intensity, very short workout like um, a CrossFit workout like Fran would be. So we're starting to look at trying to help him lose weight. So when we start looking at this, um, what they found was that on average, and for men, uh, it was a little bit different than women, um, just slightly and mostly all due to physiologic, physiological reasoning, um, and, but it doesn't change a whole lot. It's pretty it's a pretty minute difference. It's about 0 0.05 grams. So what we what they found was that about or what they have shown was that about 0.31 grams of fat is utilized and burned per minute and that's kind of its at its peak efficiency um, so what that means is that when we take that 0.31 grams of fat um, burned per minute what we can find is that um, the average uh, pound of fat in the body weighs around 454 grams so if we divide 454 by 0.31, the number that we get is actually going to equivocate to a very large number in minutes. And then if we divide, and if we convert minutes into hours, we'll find that it's about 24 hours. So the interesting thing here is if we actually want to burn an entire pound of fat um, through exercise alone, we are looking at about 24 hours of work. Now, that's completely ridiculous and we're not going to have our client David actually work for 24 hours. Instead, this is going to be a much longer continuous process of us on a regular basis breaking down and subtracting from that fat over a period of time. Now, the thing that's unfortunate about this is that nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that it's going to take you 24 hours approximately. And this, again, these are fairly rough calculations based off of a lot of uh, generalizations. So don't take this perfectly to heart or try to apply it right away. This is just to give you a good frame and mindset that, and a good framework. It's going to take roughly 24 hours to burn a pound of fat. And that's of just that this exercise that is the ideal range for burning fat. So what we have to realize here as we're looking at this is that there's no quick or fast or easy way to burn fat and to lose weight. So I think that it's very important here that we start to realize and be okay with the fact that weight loss is a journey and it is a long journey and it takes time. But it is absolutely worth it as you will start to see progress along the way. Now. It is not only exercise that is going to be contributing to weight loss. No, instead, your body is actually burning calories all the time. This is something that we know. And when we start to look at this, we can identify this as our basal metabolic rate or our resting metabolic rate. Um, and this is the amount of calories that it requires for your body to basically just be kept uh, functioning and running at a normal level in a comfortable room in a comfortable space. So for example, if you were sitting, well, let's, say, let's say our client David is sitting in a room and he's sitting in a chair, temperature's pretty moderate, nothing extreme in either direction, cold or hot. Um, he just ate a meal and he is now digesting that and he's kind of hitting a basal metabolic rate of probably about 2,000 to 2,100 calories per day. So with that being said, that's without activity. So if he's just burning that every single day, he very well may be eating over that. And like I said earlier, whenever we have an excess of an energy source, whether it's protein, carbohydrates, or fat, it will be deposited as fat, or it will be deposited as some other source, and something will be created and weight will be added. 
Now, however, if we decide to up his activity level by adding in 35 minutes to 40 to an hour of exercise every single day as we're starting to um, burn calories, then that uh, met resting metabolic rate is actually going to go up a little bit. And what that means is that uh, we can help him with his eating a little bit because he should be eating a little bit more to fuel his exercise. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we stay underneath that um, metabolic rate that is uh, being observed on a regular basis. So for example, like I mentioned earlier, for anywhere from 2,000 to 2,100 to 2,200 calories, we need to make sure that we have a little bit of a deficit there. And so over the period of a week, um, let's say that he's burning a certain X amount of calories every single day while he's working out and exercising, but he's also burning calories at the same time or grams of fat while he's just being alive and working and spending time at home and sleeping and whatnot. Those things all use energy and require a certain level of energy. That's why we need food. Um, so there is going to be a combination there. There's going to be a combination of him just burning calories autonomously as well as actively. And so it will not actually take 24 hours of continuous exercise to lose weight, but it is a combination of exercise and also eating a little bit of a deficit while your body goes through its normal functions to start losing weight at a more, uh, at a more, more, I would say, tolerable rate. So these are the two things that we have to start looking at when we start to pair exercise with um, a little bit of deficit when it starts coming to weight loss. Now, there are a couple of different things that you can do if you are really trying to do this really well. And the first thing is to find a really good way to, uh, to calculate what your resting metabolic rate or basal metabolic rate is. You can find that on lots of websites. You can just basically search the acronym BMR or RMR calculator, and that will give you a pretty good estimate of your age range and your gender and your level of activity. And what it will show is it'll give you a number that you should shoot for during the day. And then the other way that you would try to monitor the amount of calories that you are consuming is there are lots of free apps on the App Store that you can gain access to that you can track your calories throughout the day. Now, this is a fairly tedious process, but it is one of the best ways to help you start projecting to lose weight. Um, the other way that you can do this is if you start doing intermittent fasting. Um, one of the best ways that I have heard of intermittent fasting is if you were to stop eating when the sun goes down and you don't eat again until the sun comes up. That kind of helps give you a range of whenever the sun is up is typically eating time. Um, and this has also had some positive correlations with um, improved sleep patterns as well. Um, and sleep is very important for weight loss too as we are also going to be um, turning proteins and other kinds of things into muscle as we start to exercise. Um, now it's not to say that you have to only do, um, let's say, uh, you only should be doing uh, 35 to 40 minutes of aerobic cycling or running or something else along with that. I would definitely recommend that there is strength training included with any kind of regime or program that you are doing as this will compound the effects of weight loss because again when we start to look at how fat is burned and burning, I don't love the phrase fat burning because it's kind of a, kind of a, it's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a popular slang term phrase that I'm not super popular or I'm not super uh, in support of 
but I would like to say that it's being utilized. It's being turned into an energy source and your body is consuming it. Um, one of the best ways that we can do that is through muscle mass and muscle mass is going to uh, consume it and the more that our muscle needs fuel and energy sources, once it's gone through carbohydrates, it will start to defer to fat as an energy source and so thus, if we think about it this way, the more muscle mass that you have, typically the more fat that you are going to be burning as well. Um, and so I think that whenever we start to look at this, we need to make sure that we compound aerobic exercise uh, at this kind of this medium to uh, medium to middle high intensity of about 58% of your heart rate. And we need to be compounding that with some sort of strength training as well to help optimize um, building muscle, and, which is going to help consume fat and then also just burning fat in general um, with the muscle mass that is already present within the body. Both of these systems and then also including a bit of a caloric deficit are going to be just a couple of ways that we can start to really, really um, improve our, uh, our, our weight. And if we're starting to lose or trying to lose weight, these are some of the best ways that we can do that. Um, I do would recommend that if you are tracking your um, your food, um, do not stop tracking your food on the weekends um, because typically for a lot, for 90% of the American population, that's just a gross estimate. I'm just assuming at this point. For most people within the U.S., the diet on the weekend is different than it is during the week. Um, meals are typically less planned. You have events to go to where there's going to be lots of different food sources. Um, the quality of your food may go up or down depending on what your friend group or what your activity group looks like. Um, you may be going for camping trips on the weekend and the only thing that you packed is hot dogs and um, uh, <laughs> I, I can't even think. Hot dogs and marshmallows. I mean, so we need to make sure that whenever we are taking time on the weekends that that food is still being counted because those calories and that uh, the energy that you are um, consuming is still contributing to your overall um, daily uh, metabolic rate. And so we need to make sure that we are paying attention to those as well. Um, so those are just a couple of things. And I think that more than anything, this is exactly why this is such a controversial topic and why it's so um, difficult for some people to understand, I suppose, is that this is a difficult process. This is a process that takes a lot of attention and it takes a lot of intention um, and focus and uh, dedication to um, be productive within this space because it is very, very easy to um, eat over that resting metabolic rate or over that amount of uh, energy that's being expended. It is very easy, especially here in the United States, it is very easy as we have an overabundance of access to food on a regular basis. Um, it's very, very difficult to stay within those boundaries that we can set for ourselves, but the results are worth it. Um, and I think that in, for anybody who is truly actively pursuing this, it is something that you need to be paying attention to. Um, and I think that having somebody to help you maintain accountability while you're doing that is the best way to do that, to help to produce the best results. All right, guys, thank you very much for that. Um, if you have any questions, please contact me and let me know. Um, again, this is mostly just off of my experience and off of research that I have found and things that I have observed as well within this space. Um, and I really want to encourage you guys that it is absolutely doable. Um, and that don't let that 24 hours of exercise scare you. Um, that 24 hours is spread out over weeks and over months of work. So it's not all within one space. And it is, um, it is all dependent upon, again, your level of input if you are exercising on a regular basis. And obviously, the more that you exercise, the more that's going to contribute. And then also, the less that you consume um, is going to be um, important. Um, but when I say that, I want to make sure that we are still eating enough to fuel our efforts. Um, you should not feel sluggish or feel like you are being depriving yourself overly um, and 
getting to a point where you were starving yourself, that is not the way to um, achieve weight loss, um, at least not in a healthy fashion. We want to get you to the point where you are eating a healthy amount of food while still fueling your activities and your work and your relationships without uh, pushing you to the point of starvation and you hate yourself all the time. So take that in mind as well, that it's important that we remain under that um, that number, that, mess, that, that metabolic rate, but not to the point where you're, you hate yourself and where you're starving yourself every day. Um, you should still be able to do the things that you want to and are trying to do. Um, I think that's very important to say. Um, moving on to our mindset piece for today, um, again, I will go through our quotes. We had Marcus Aurelius for two, and then we had one from Philippians in the Bible. Uh, the first one says uh, from Marcus Aurelius, the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. That's from Marcus Aurelius. And then the other one that we had was from Philippians and says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, or if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so the thing that I wanted to kind of give you guys to start thinking about today more than anything else was I wanted you guys to start focusing on exactly what it is that you were thinking about on a regular basis. What is the what is the average emotional state of your thoughts? Is it anxiety? Is it thinking about tomorrow? Is it thinking about the future? Um, is it thinking about the past? Is it regret? Is it anger towards a coworker or towards a friend or a sibling or a parent? Is it is it any level of grief um, or regret? And I want to take a, a moment to think about this because when we start to look at these kinds of emotional thoughts, we need to understand whether or not we have control of our thoughts or whether our thoughts have control of us because those thoughts become actions whether we like it or not. Um, and they aren't always very dramatic. They, they rarely are. Um, but they still become actions at some point and they still have impacts on the people around us and on our relationships and on our overall level of happiness. And I think that the thing that we need to ultimately come to realize is that we have control of our thoughts, that we have control of all the situations that um, we respond to and we have control over those, those negative, um, self-oppressive, um, critical thoughts that come into our mind all the time and that we have the mo we have the ability within a single split moment to change those thoughts from negativity from anxiety from stress from anger to thoughts of positivity and to hope and to determination and to drive and to focus and I think one of the things that can help this the most is if we start to become very present within a certain moment, if we start to really focus on the things in front of us and not worry so much about the past or the future, um, both of these things can create regret and anxiety. And if we can focus all of our thoughts and our brain power on the task at hand, whatever lies before us, I think that we will find that there is much more productivity and much more joy to be found within those moments, whether it's through work, through exercise, or whether it's through um, time with family. Um, I think that all of these things can have so much more potential to be things worth worthy of thinking about um, as opposed to things of the past or the future. Um, so I want to make sure that we recognize that we have ultimate control over our thoughts and our actions and that we have ultimate control over the things that we think about. So I want you to think about today, I want you to think about something 
that is within the moment that is there in front of you and turn it positive somehow. Turn it into something that isn't negative, that doesn't generate anxiety. Um, and I know that this is very, very difficult and this is something that I am still practicing on a regular basis um, because it is very difficult sometimes to turn our mental critic into a mental coach. Um, the critic likes to tell us all the things that we have done wrong or we are currently doing wrong, whereas the coach likes to point out the areas of improvement and tell us the things that we are doing well. So I want to make sure that we utilize that and we turn that critic into a coach and we start changing our thoughts because our thoughts become actions. And like Marcus Aurelius says, this is a quote that I missed, no carelessness in your actions, no confusion in your words, and no imprecision in your thoughts.